Welcome back to another episode of Things My Friends Know. I'm your host, Lisa Lindenfelser, and I'm here to talk with my friends about their passions. In today's episode, we chat with Choma about his passion for golf, including tips and tricks for even the most inexperienced golfers. Well, hello and welcome. We're here today with Choma and his best friend, David Kay. So happy to have you guys. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thanks for having us, Lisa. The dynamic duo, as I said. <laughs> <laughs> we brought David Kay here along for the ride because um, you guys have a very special friendship where you just give each other shit nonstop. And I felt like that would bring some good energy to this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, somebody's got to put Dominus place. So that's what I'm here for today. And yeah, it's funny. He says that of all people, but <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I mean, Dom Choma, you go by both. I prefer Choma. It's just a great name. Um, we're here to talk about golf and you've been playing golf for a really long time. And I think the first question that I have is in my head, golf is a game for old people and you started playing as a kid. So how did you get into golf as a small child? Well, I mean, I'm not going to take offense to you saying that it's for old people, um, even though I should. Um, no, I mean, it's um, my uncle was really, he's really big golfer. He worked in the golf industry for 19 years. And um, I just remember like my dad had a little net in our backyard um, when I was five or six and they he would hit balls into the net and then they could you know, cut down a little club for me. And I started hitting balls and into that net with my dad because I thought it was kind of cool. And then I would go sporadically with him when I was at, you know, five, six, seven, eight. I didn't play too much, but. When I, about the time when I got was like when I was 11 is when I really started to play a little bit more. That's when I got my first like big boy set of clubs, if you will, was around that time. But really, yeah, it was just, you know, some family members were into golf and played. And so I kind of just followed along, if you will. I have a question that's not exactly related to what you were just discussing. But David Kay, when did you and Choma become friends? Yeah, we that's were, a good story, actually. Yeah, I was like, that was that was fifth grade. So I guess I've been right about that time. That's um, actually, yeah. yeah, one of us became a good golfer, the other didn't. I'll let you guys determine that throughout the video, which one it was. But, He's good uh, at gambling on the golf course, but yeah, except gambling <laughs> there. But uh, yeah, so yeah, we met in fifth grade. Dom transferred to our school, so I'd recognized him from basketball when I was a kid uh, when we were playing, and I saw him come. I was like, oh, we got a basketball player coming to school. So little tell, tell him why you thought I was so good because how, like, how much, how much better was, was my team than yours yeah his team was a much better than ours I think they blew everybody out by like 40 points so if someone from that team was joining our school that was good news for me <laughs> the important question though is did he transfer from Ralia or from Murphy no uh so I was going to Holt actually oh okay. so I like transferred out this yeah so like we had, we me and Dave like we played Hazlitt in basketball in fourth grade and we beat them and like I remember like there's one kid that was really good it was Dave. I didn't know at the time. And the reason the story is like so good is because like I, you know, that summer I, my mom and I and my dad just kind of talked and figured it best for me to go to, to a different school. And I remember that first day when we decided to transfer to Hazlitt. And I'm like walking up there. My dad's walking up with me, and I'm like super nervous because I'm a fifth grader. I know nobody in the school. I'm I'm still living 20 minutes away, so like it's not like I've met anybody from like you know the neighborhood or anything. Mm -hmm. And we're walking towards the front door, and like there's these two kids holding the door open, and like I walk up towards the door, and um, this kid opened the door, looks at me, he's like, wait a minute you're from Holt. You played basketball. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, that's awesome. We're going to have a good team this year now. And that kid was Dave. Um, so it was like kind of nice. Cause that like kind of set me at ease a little bit. I was like, all right, these kids, like something, like, some of these guys know me and like, you know, they helped me make friends a little bit easier just because like when you play basketball on the playground and stuff, like I kind of got accepted a little bit quicker, but 
yeah, that was kind of a funny little. Like I said, it's, it, it was one of those situations. Like it was kind of a huge weight off my shoulders. I was walking in that day, and then ever since then, me and Dave have that's so been sweet. That's so <laughs> so sweet, especially because your relationship is largely based on giving each other a hard time. So it's adorable that yeah. you've been friends for that long. So David K, do you remember playing? Do you remember Choma playing golf as a kid? Like, or were you guys really focused on basketball in your friendship? Uh, so I Dom played like multiple sports sports growing up. I was more of like just strictly basketball. So I was more focused on basketball, but like we'd go play for fun, like golf. And like, obviously him and a bunch of other friends were way better than me. It's just like, you get someone that's really good. And then I'm just like the, the token bad player at the course, but it's still something we do as like a fun activity together for sure. When did you guys start playing together as like a friend group? Was it when you were like 11 years old or was it later? No, no I mean, not with Dave. But I mean, you started coming out like more like after high school more, I would say. Maybe in high school a little bit, but mainly after high school is when you started playing with us. Yeah, exactly. So you've been playing golf for a long time. You had family who was in the golf industry. Um, mm. And that's kind of how you got into it was kind of playing with them. Did you start out as kind of like the bat boy of golf where you were like collecting balls and like <laughs> <laughs> carrying bags? No, I mean, I just started playing really like I had from... I had a membership at the local course in Hazlitt for basically my entire child. Like once I started playing seriously until I, you know, graduated from high school, I had a membership there and basically I would just go there and play as long as I wanted to. And then that was just kind of how I got into it. I never, I didn't really work in golf until I got into college. Well, tell us about that. How did you decide to take it from kind of like a hobby into something that you were actually going to do for a job? Basically, I, uh, it was just like basically me deciding like when you you know you get asked the question like what do you want to do and people always tell you like you got to do something that you enjoy and I knew that I enjoyed the game of golf and I would enjoy being around the game of golf at least back at that point and um, that you know I basically decided like yeah maybe I should pursue something you know with a degree that's got to focus towards golf because I know at the end of the day even if it's not the most lucrative career in the world that I'll enjoy what I'm doing and I'll be happy while I'm doing it and that's something that's important to me I don't want to do it I mean, everybody understands this. If you don't want to do a job you don't like, it's not Mm -hmm. fun to go to that job. But yeah, that's really how I got into it. It was just the fact that like, I knew I loved golf. I loved the game. And I knew if I was around the game that I would enjoy it. How did your parents feel about that, about you kind of pursuing a career in the golf industry? Oh, they're they're very supportive. My mom really, because it's funny. The school I ended up graduating from was like my second choice out of high school. Like I went somewhere different. And then I ended up transferring there that, to that school after a year because they had golf management. My mom was like, she wanted me to go out there out of high school. So she was extremely supportive of the, of the entire thing for me getting into that. That's amazing. Yeah. It was nice to have the sport. <laughs> yeah. I a lot mean, easier. Especially because I think about like sports in general, like it's a very lucrative career if you are really really good at it and you're the one percent of people that make it you know in the big leagues but that's not really the reality for most people so that's it's fascinating to me that your mom was still so supportive of that even knowing that there was a large risk associated with it yeah and i mean the thing is there's a lot of jobs in the golf industry you know not whether they're here or wherever you know a lot of down south especially but um so i mean like it was we kind of knew like once if i got this degree that i would be able to find a job and so it wasn't like it was, I was getting a degree where it's just hard to get in and, and find something that you, you know, to find a job once you graduate. And so it was never like, I knew I, never, I was never going to be a professional golfer. I was never even remotely close to being that talented or that good. But yeah, I mean, we just, it was, yeah, yeah I think she supported, she supported me mainly because she knew that like it was going to be a good career for me and something that I was going to enjoy. 
So you eventually got into golf management and um, you actually had a job in the golf industry. I think you said you were fitting clubs for folks. Yeah. Um, So I worked at a golf shop called Miles of Golf uh, down in Ann Arbor uh, for five years, a little over five years, actually. And um, yeah, so I gained a lot of experience there. And yeah, one of my main jobs was to uh, when people came into the store and they wanted to buy golf clubs, one of our biggest or bread and butter or I guess our bread and butter, if you will, was fitting golf clubs and you know, helping people determine what clubs they should get and how they should be set up in terms of what, like what club it should be, how long it should be, what the you know, shaft type should be. There's different, like the shafts, the part that connects the grip and the club head to each other. Mm-hmm. And there's different characteristics of shafts that work for different players. And, you know, you, some players want something different than another players would want. And just trying to figure out what each player should have, because it's just going to help them play better, more consistently. Well, can you talk um, a little bit about that? Like, especially with the, the shafts, you said there's different, the different things that different players look for. So can you talk about some of those things? Like what are, you know, some of the more common things? What? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, really there's, you know, each player has a unique swing and they're, you know, kind of different swing types, if you will, like you, me, Dave, Paul, we're all going to swing the club differently. It's because we're all different, you know, body types, builds, what have you. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, based on the speed you generate your tempo. So like how, you know, and I wouldn't even say like how fast your tempo is really just, you know, how some people have like a long and loose tempo, like their swing kind of takes a while. Others are a really quick tempo where they have a really quick swing. And based on that, like, you know, your club should be set up differently. And then also to the, the, the force that you put on the club or the shaft, um, you're going to want, you know, there's different shafts for different forces that are applied, if you will. I guess that's the best way to put it. But, and really like, if you get that wrong, especially for certain players, it can lead to really catastrophic, you know, issues because they're going to, I always equate it to, you're going to be fighting the club instead of having the club work for you. So if you're fighting the club while you're trying to make a golf swing, you're trying to do so many other things besides just hitting a good shot. Instead of like, if you have the club working for you, all you can do is just focus on making your swing and then trying to produce the result you want. So what you're saying is when I am not hitting well in golf, it's because of the shaft and not because I'm bad at golf. It could be because of the club. <laughs> I'm going to give you an out. Yeah. I'm going to write down that excuse so that I can use that. No, you know, it, it could be the, cl- the shaft. It could be the club. I mean, it, people like even now ask me questions like, you know, all oh, this, it's doing, you know, my, the ball's doing this, like what's happening. And I say, well, it could be this, 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 or this. I mean, there's so many different, you know, factors or variables of why a golf ball doesn't do what you want it to do. And so like my job was always, okay, like make sure the golf club isn't set up to do that. And if it wasn't, it's like, okay, go see your swing instructor. Cause I got, I can't help you here, man. <laughs> it's not my job to work on your golf swing. So was the best um, way to figure out what kind of club someone needed was to actually like watch them play golf? Like what was the process of actually figuring out what all the pieces were to find the perfect golf set for someone? Well, yeah. So basically like the way the facility we had is set up is we had different like hitting base where like, um, I think we had five total by the time I left. And basically what you'd do is you'd go out there with someone like me, a fitter, um, and then the fitter would watch you hit shots with your current clubs. And then based on what your current club was doing and what your swing looked like, then we would start giving you golf clubs that were designed to improve on what you're doing, you know, on what your current club was doing. Um, so that's, you know, basically you go out there, you watch them hit some shots, you see what their ball flight looks like, what their tendencies are, and then you try to fix that. Um, so it's a lot of, it's basically educated trial and error is the best way to put it. Um, because you, you, the good thing is you have data, you have, you know, the visual ball flight. That was a cool thing with our facility is, that um, it was outdoors. So you could watch the ball fly. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of people, like they didn't necessarily care about the numbers, but it was like, okay, they could see that it was better. They could see like, okay, it's going higher. It's going further. It's not going right anymore. Um, and that was like one of the cool things with the job was like when you found someone that something that was a really massive improvement to seeing the person's face and how much they were enjoying it. 
Um, and just in the fact that you knew that yeah, when they got on the golf course, that they were going to really enjoy playing better golf. Cause that's one thing people mm-hmm. like, like golf is something for that everybody can enjoy and like all different skill levels. And even if you don't necessarily shoot your best score, but you hit like that one or two shots around where you just, you know, it's like that aha moment. I'm sure you've all had it where you hit that one shot and you're like, yeah, I want to do that again. So then <laughs> yes. you spend four hours trying to hit that one shot again and <laughs> fail repeatedly. But you, you know, it's, it's still, it's, it's, it's a big, like that feeling, just chasing it. You know, that one shot every round. So I feel like a part of what you had to do was actually watch people in terms of their form. So it's almost yeah. like you talked about that. There's like, you know, kind of like the golf pro people who actually train other people to be better at golf. But like the, a part of that is also associated with finding the right fit for a golf club for someone. Yeah. Like there's teaching professionals, like guys who teach people how to swing the club, like, you know, how, and give them advice on their golf swing. And then there's club fitters, which is what I did, which I basically take what you give me, like your swing. And then I try to find the best club for it. And there are certain cases where maybe they need to go see an instructor first, like, you know, say they're hitting shots and there's, there's no rhyme or reason to what the ball's doing. And then no matter what club I hit, I hand them, it doesn't fix it. Then you, you have a conversation about going to see an instructor, but yeah, there's, that would definitely say there's kind of two sides to that where like, yeah, there's people that their main focus is to help you swing the club better, like, and work on you and your form. Mm -hmm. And then there's people like what I did where their main job is to, okay, this is what I do. What club do I need to maximize what I have? That's awesome. Yeah. Dave, have you ever coached David K on how to be better at golf? No, uh, our friend Chris has, I think, been his main coach. I haven't done too much coaching with Dave. Yeah, my swing and my game is too bad that Dom can't take it serious when he's coaching me. So (laughs) we have to take someone that's a little easier on us, less uh, qualified golfers. Well, it's like, you know, when you have like a married couple and they say like, you don't want to teach your spouse how to play golf. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Dave and I aren't aren't a married couple, but it's kind of the same (laughs) concept. (laughs) Now, within that though, Dom, would you say when you're fitting people, it's a much harder to fit somebody the worse they are? because there could be so many issues with their swing as opposed to the clubs. And there's like a wider range. Um, some, yes and no. I, I mean, I, some of my easier fits have been like bad players because it just basically the clubs they had were so bad for them. They had no chance. And the ones I gave them that was like good fit for them. They hit much, the, the improvement was drastic because the thing is like a good player can generally adjust to a club. So the problem with like when I was fitting a really good player, like I had a couple, a lot of college players and even one girl in the LPGA tour. And like my, I had to keep it moving with them because I, if I, let them hit the same club too many times in a row. They would eventually try to change their swing to fit that club. Whoa. So like, it'd be like two or three swings and then I have to change the club. Cause I don't want them to start trying to adjust what, to what I'm doing versus again, like, you know, you have a 20 handicapper a guy who's like a bogey golfer. You can, if they have something that's really bad for them, you can make a quick adjustment and see a huge difference, like pretty quickly. So, mm-hmm. so you're like, you're, you're a tall dude. You're like, what? Six, <laughs> three, six, four. <laughs> Six six. <laughs> six six. So like do you yeah. have like an extra thing that you have to deal with when it comes to like fitting clubs? Like do you have a different challenge that comes with being so much taller? Um I mean like when I was fitting someone, I mean no. Um didn't really mean my height didn't affect me there. But like obviously my clubs are a little longer. At least my my irons and wedges are longer. Like my woods, if anything, are actually a little shorter. Really? Um, yeah, because the thing is, like you're driving, you're through it already so long. It does. It's not hard to get into a comfortable at you know position at a dress because you know you don't have to bend over that much. But like once you get down to the lower irons, like your seven iron, eight iron, nine iron, and then your wedges, because the shafts are a lot shorter, you have to bend down more. That's where the length actually matters um, in terms of your height. So yeah, for me, like yeah, my clubs are a half inch longer than standard, uh, which it's really would not that much. Actually, no, I mean, my my height and, like, my build would suggest an inch or an inch and a half even. Um, but, like, my specific case, I hit – I was more consistent with a half inch. Like, I just – I hit the center of the face more often. My 
trajectory is more consistent. And so I just I, I did it that way. But um, yeah, like guys my height are generally unless they have just ridiculously long arms, which I mean I have long arms but not super long arms. They're probably going to be in a longer golf book. No, I was just going to say. So even when you're like a foot taller than the average golfer, like it it still has the pretty basic principles of what you need to do in regards to fitting. I mean, yeah, like it's again each you know bot person's different. You know, there's certain body types are going to lend themselves to certain lengths and what have you. I mean. Like I said, generally, the taller you are, the longer your clubs are going to be. It's not tried and true by any means. I mean, it's I would say there's a fairly high correlation, but it's not always the case. Like I said, I'm a good example. Mine club, my clubs are shorter than like if you if you just went on one of, one of the charts and you know put my height in and my wrist to floor, which is a, a measurement that a lot of uh, companies use. Like my the setup of my clubs would be different than what I actually have, but there's a reason why I did what I did. Just because it caters to some of my needs. Yeah, it just kind of caters to my individual tendencies, if you will. So how would you feel if I told you that when Pablo and I go golfing together, he prefers to use the nine wood for every single shot, regardless of what's happening? I can hit it 250, but I could also hit it 35. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, it's funny. Like those those higher lofted woods, like your five woods, your seven woods, your nine woods, and even 11 woods are starting to become really popular just because they're so easy to hit. Um, they're very easy to get the ball up in the air. They, they go high, they go far. And if you've ever hit like a four iron or a five iron, that club isn't very easy to get up in the air. And it doesn't. it's a little bit harder to, A, hit it consistently and B, hit it farther. So it's funny, like you say, a nine wood, it's actually becoming, I was fitting a lot of those clubs back when I was doing club things. I was putting a lot of people into like nine woods, seven woods. Just because, like, they didn't get the ball in the air with the equivalent, you know, loft and a hybrid or an iron. I'm kind of offended that you did not take this opportunity to make fun of Pablo with me because now (laughs) you're basically saying that he had a good reason to do that. And that's very okay. I mean, (laughs) the the thing is, like, I I had to learn to be a little more politically correct in this job because (laughs) the thing is, like, well, like, no, the thing is, golf is something that people are very self-conscious about mm. you know when you're standing on the first tee and there's people watching you and you're just kind of like your knees are shaking and the last thing like in my job when i'm trying to sell someone you know a thousand two thousand even three or four thousand dollars with the golf clubs is for me to make fun of them make them feel worse about themselves <laughs> so i had yeah you had to kind of i don't want to say stroke their ego but you had to make them feel good about what they're getting mm-hmm. and so like you, you wanted me to make fun of them for the nine one but if i'm trying to sell someone a nine one i can't like <laughs> you want this nine one here you go for people who just <laughs> aren't very good like oh no i can't like <laughs> i probably yeah, have to explain to like that. okay look you're hitting it higher you're hitting it farther you're hitting it more consistent who cares what it says on the bottom i don't care like yeah i wouldn't sorry lisa i couldn't uh I, I know you lobbed in that in there for me, but I, I had to let it go. You know what? It's okay. Pablo, Pablo is happy that we're not making fun of him. So I think we need to give Dave a nine wood though. He could definitely use one. No, he needs an eleven I try wood. Something new. Yeah, I need to try something new. I haven't done that yet, so we'll check that out. <laughs> You know, David Kay is probably the most competitive person I've ever met in my life, and we've actually never golfed Besides with Jenna him. Besides maybe. <laughs> I don't know. That's a that's a good a good question. I'm not sure which of them would be more competitive, but especially first, with sports, I feel like David K has her beat. Well, the first night I met Jenna, that we played gin rummy, and I didn't know how to play, and like, so I was just kind of you know doing my thing, and those two were like literally at each other's throats. And I'm like, oh, oh my, my. Like, guys, like calm down, <laughs> like easy. <laughs> and they were just living their best lives. I'm sitting there like I didn't think anybody was ever gonna be more competitive than Dave, but maybe uh, maybe you've met your match here, man. Like. Yeah. Yikes. 
But as far as going off of that, Dom, would you say, like, I'd say you're a pretty competitive person too. Do you think just like our friend group growing up kind of like brought that out in you as well? Cause like, I kind of yeah. feel the same way. So like, whether it was golf for you or like we, I know all of us like played video game sports growing <laughs> up. Like, I feel like that carried over like in all seriousness yeah. to like different avenues. Yeah. I mean, I would say I'm a lot less competitive now than I used to be. I, I used to be very competitive, especially in high school and college, like when I was playing sports. Mm. Now, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I've like lost that competitive driver or what. Like, like, like the good example, like now I'm not necessarily going to play too many golf tournaments. I don't think just because like competing in golf isn't necessarily something that's mat- important to me anymore. But yeah, I mean, I think definitely our friend group always wanting to kind of one up each other, you know, beat each other growing up was especially in video games, me and <laughs> me and another one of our friends had a little rivalry. <laughs> Let alone be an undersell. <laughs> yeah. If you remember uh, B-Rom Paul, we and me and him had a, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you could, I'm sure you can imagine all those games. Were. Honestly, <laughs> biggest rivalry in the world. Like it makes Michigan, Ohio state football look like freshman football. Whoa. Like this was a matchup. Wow. Do you guys still talk to this day? Oh yeah. Yeah. We're we and wow. Yeah. We're still friends. Yeah. That's adorable. <laughs> yeah i know it's that's it, it's, it's it's a healthy part of a good real friendship i would say <laughs> yeah. of a good group of friends you have to have some competitiveness in you so you spent a lot of time talking about a bunch of different golf phrases some of which i've heard and some of which i hadn't um can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about the idea of handicap um because mm-hmm. i think that's one thing that i get confused about regularly because i'm pretty sure you have a handicap when you're bad is that right well, so basically the handicap system is designed to kind of level the playing field. Like say if two people want to make a bet against each other and they want to have like a fair, each person has a fair chance to win. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you have someone who's going to shoot a 70, most of the, or, you know, around, around 70 and then someone's going to shoot around 90, like they're never going to, the person who, if they don't give, you know, if the person who shoots 70 doesn't give any shots to the other person, then they're just always going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, basically what handicap is supposed to do is supposed to represent what your potential is when you play well. So, and they just denoted by a number. So it goes anywhere from like plus, I think there's some plus eights, maybe like the guys in the PGA tour. So basically when they play well, they need to give about eight shots back to someone who's a zero. And then it goes up, you know, and then like a zero is kind of someone who's like called a scratch golfer. Not necessarily someone's going to shoot par, but like every time, but they, you can respect them to be around par or close to par. And then as you go up, you know, there's low single digits, like one, twos and threes. And then that goes all the way up to 36. And so the higher your number is generally the higher scores you shoot. Um, and so the more help you need. And that's where the handicap system comes in. The way they do it is, again, they average cut your better, happier scores. And, like, that's kind of the very simple version of it. It's like they take your better, like, your last, I think, eight out of 20 scores, like your best eight. And then they average them up and then whatever that, how many over par that is. Or Do they base it on, like, the same course so that you have consistency for the level of difficulty for the course? Or does it not matter what courses you're playing in terms of averaging out what your handicap would be? Yeah, well, so the course is taken into account. So basically what they do is they have people that go out to different courses and then they rate it based on how hard they think the course is or how hard the course is. Wow. And so then like if you ever look on the scorecard and you see two numbers, one will be like 71.1 and then there'll be a dash and the next number will be like 136. Mm-hmm. So the, the first number, like the 71.1 would be the rating. So that number, all that is, is what they would expect a zero handicap golfer to shoot on his good days like those eight scores I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Then the the next number, like the 136, is the relative difficulty for the course for basically they say, they say, okay, how hard is it for a scratch golfer? And then how hard is it for a bogey golfer? 
And then the wider that gap is, the higher that number is. Hmm. So the highest it goes is 155. So if you have a course that's one, that has a, a slope rating of 155, it's a lot harder for a bogey golfer relative to a scratch golfer. Now, to be fair, most courses I know that have a rating that high are very, very hard anyways. Mm-hmm. But I think you get the idea. Um, basically, all that rate number is just, again, a relative rating for like how much harder a bogey golfer is going to do or how much harder of a time a bogey golfer is going to have at that course compared to a scratch golfer. David, and then, you, have you ever calculated your handicap on <laughs> golf? No, I don't want to do it for my own ego because it would make <laughs> Because he won't be able to like, then we'll know how many shots he's supposed to get and he won't be able to negotiate like five more like he always does. Yeah, so like the, so the, fun, thing off the, handy, the fun thing off the handicap that Dom's saying is like, it's good for like, if you want to bet with friends. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of our friends and stuff will bet like $5 or $10 around, like really small yeah. amounts, but just again, being competitive, like you want to win. And I'm pretty notorious for only taking deals when they're really in my favor. So like if I should <laughs> yeah. maybe be getting like, I don't know, 24, 27 shots from Dom. I'll like ask for 36 or something like that. And then eventually. <laughs> I remember the last time I gave you 27 and I literally played one of the best rounds I've ever played and you still like barely lost. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's an exact example there where Dom shoots probably what's close to his handicap, if not better, especially the last nine holes that we played. Yeah. But, it's like, way better than my handicap. <laughs> but we still match. So what that means is basically that our number or what the handicap he gave me like wasn't actually accurate. Mm. He yeah. these many shots. I just wanted the action. I was just, you know, looking for, <laughs> I was just looking to gamble and, <laughs> yeah. but it's like a fun, it, the handicap thing is a nice thing for the people who aren't as good because like, obviously like Dom said, like I'm never going to beat him if we go out and play 18 holes, like 0% chance. Mm-hmm. So he set it up and do like, okay, Dom, basically I have a head start. I have a big head start. Then it makes a possibility I would win in that scenario. Now, again, being competitive, I don't know if that necessarily makes me feel good that I can brag that I won when I had a 20 <laughs> head start, but at least I can say I won something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just sad. waiting for the day I finally get him to take a bet that's not like on the good for his end. It won't happen, but I'm, I'm trying to catch him sleeping one of these days. So aside from the OG Meridian Sun out of Hazlitt, Michigan, what Shout would, out to the sun. What what would you say are your your favorite courses in Michigan? Just because our, our general population is more Michigan based, and like, what mm-hmm. are things that you look for in a course that makes it something that is more appetizing versus a different course? Like my favorite courses. I mean, I love Eagle Eye over in East Lansing. It's one of my favorite courses. Um, I think Lansing area. I don't mind Forest Acres West. Uh, I think it's I, I, that's one of my courses that would be higher up on my list. I know there's some people that aren't a huge fan of it, but I like that course. Ann Arbor, I think Washtenaw Golf Club was one of my home golf courses down there, and it's a really fun track to play. Um, what I really look for when I you know try to rate a golf course in my mind is a how playable is it. And what I mean by that is like how can can like a good golfer and, and then a less skilled golfer go to that course and have still have fun, both have fun. Because there's some courses that are designed that have so much like trouble and just random stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, crap that just make it not fun. Like they have water, trees, out of bounds, long grass. And like, I don't like those courses that are kind of gimmicky or like just have all that stuff because I, you don't want to be you know losing golf balls in the water all day. Or like, look, I, I hate courses that have houses next to them. I can't stand those courses. <laughs> a, I don't want to hit someone's house. And B, it's just like, I'm trying to get away. Like when I'm on the golf course, I'm trying to get away from like civilization. I want to mm-hmm. like, you know, be out with nature and like see trees and different things like that i don't want to see a bunch of houses lying in the fairway you know like yeah so like basically if the course has a bunch of houses around it it's probably not going to be on my favorite courses list um i tend to favor more like the old school old you know older style courses that have um 
they're going to have more like, you know, holes kind of bordering each other. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, I mean, I would say those ones that I mentioned are kind of higher on my list. Um, I like Barton Hills. It's a hard, it's a private course down in Ann Arbor. It's one of my favorite courses. I've played Oakland Hills South, which is a very hard golf course, very prestigious golf course. That's one of my oh, favorites wow. too. Those, yeah, those last two are very hard to get on. Um, but well, I have, yeah, I, I have a great story for you about a Pablo golf outing that we went on. Um, I had a <laughs> very, a very good friend of mine got married and got married in Kansas. And so we flew down and we were in the area and we talked the bride and groom into going on a golf outing with us the day before their wedding so that we could see them and hang out with them a little bit more. And it was the kind of golf course that you were describing that you don't like, where literally the entire course was lined with houses. Yeah. And we got to one of the holes that had a bunch of houses near it and Pablo got up to tee off and I swear to God, he hit houses four times in a row. Well, you can't just tee off. Off once when you hit a house, yeah. I mean, I, but after the third time supposed... you tee off into a house, you just move on. You're supposed to re tee, yeah. He's, yeah. he's got to do what he's got to do. But see, like that's the thing right there. Like if you had like uh, maybe if it was a different course that like you know I just had another hole on the, off of the side of it. You could at least went and found your ball and hit it. Right. But it's like if you have a horse, course, a bunch of houses there. You have to like a you have to hit another one. B you have to live with the shame of hitting someone's house. <laughs> And let alone at the freaking homeowner's home, and they're going to come out and yell at you. Right, it's like, yeah. you chose to live here, buddy. Like, it's not my fault. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've so, luckily never had any problems. I've hit a few houses in my days, and I've never had any problems, but it's always kind of a fun debate. It's like, it's you break someone's window when go- when you're golfing, who pays for it? And it's like, my thing is, the homeowner pays for it. He lives there. Like, it's not his, not the golfer's fault. Like, unless you, like, were intentionally trying to hit the window, which, like, which golfer is trying to do that? The golfer shouldn't be liable. Like that's not their. They didn't try to. They're not trying to hit your house. Like your house is there, and we're within a relatively reasonable distance from where they're trying to hit it. Again, yeah, you're I, gonna hit, get hit sometimes. Like, I feel like you're defending Pablo when I'm giving you guys really great opportunities to give him a hard time. We got time. history. Okay? I mean, Lisa, I'm we sorry. Like, we, <laughs> choir, man. Like men's corral, concert choir, corral. Me, me and Paul go back, man. <laughs> you, can't, you can't break that. Yeah, yeah, you can't break that bond. But I, I know that, like, uh, so Manistee, I think the proper term is like there's Scottish greens. Or fairways or something like that. There's like a really prestigious course up there. What's like the difference mm-hmm. between Scottish? I don't know if I'm saying it right, but like I know there's Scottish. a couple different. Like, is it Are you like thinking really like long the style fairways? Of course? Yeah, the style of course. So like, you mean like a Scottish Lynx style? Like, yeah, yeah like that's Lynx what style I'm are generally going to yeah. be more wide open, so less trees. Um, like, you're generally going to find them. Like, obviously, they're kind of originated in Scotland near like the seaside. Like, a lot of all those courses are. That but yeah, generally nice. less trees, a little bit windier, a little bit firmer conditions. Like the grass, the ground's a little harder. Is the grass um, taller? Uh, off to the sides, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, you start out the fairway, you get starting into the long stuff. And, <laughs> okay. But no, the fairways aren't any longer. No. So you mentioned earlier that you have played golf competitively in the past. Mm-hmm. So tell us about that. Like, what is that like, especially when you're playing as an individual person and like not with friends and not like trying to have a good time? Like, what is it like playing golf competitively? It's it's an interesting experience because it's one of those sports where there's no it's not like you have a basketball team where if you're on a bad day, it's like, all right, Dave, you can, you know, take over for me here. <laughs> if you're on a bad day in the golf course, it's, you know, you're, you're exposed. And, uh, 
one of my former bosses at Miles of Golf used to always say, like, you know, I don't care if, if you go on the tournament and post a score, like if you go play and, you know, post post what you shot, I have all the respect for you in the world, no matter what you shoot, because it takes a lot of, you know, it takes a lot of guts to go out there, put yourself out there, you know, to be ridiculed and have that score posted on the internet or on the wall or whatever. But that was the thing that kind of drew me to it, though, was the fact that, like, at the end of the day, when I played in a golf tournament, I was the only person to blame if I did well and if I didn't do well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of liked that because at the end, of the, I just liked that, you know, I, there wasn't any finger pointing. It's like, all right, I did so, I did well or I didn't do well. I can only look at myself. And I've never been somebody who likes to rely on others for to do a lot of things for me. So, like, that was kind of <laughs> partly why I was drawn to golf. But, I mean, yeah, for anybody who's played sports, I think the main difference if you ever played in a golf tournament is just – most of the first one, I've seen a lot of people that I've played with when they play in their first tournament, the, the nerves, because mm-hmm. even people who have played other sports, like, again, they, like, in football or basketball, like, using your adrenaline is generally a good thing, and golf sometimes it's not, like, especially on the first tee if you've never, you know, don't know how to channel it mm-hmm. into a good thing, and that, that was the thing I saw, like, the guys that I played with who were, was their first tournament, they had, they were, they were so nervous and so much adrenaline, they didn't, they completely forgot what, how to play golf, even though they've been playing forever. Yeah, because you know they just—it's a feeling they've never felt before. Um, so that's the way I would describe it. It's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's unlike. It's very different than any other sport when you're competing. Again, because you're just so on your own. You're on an island, and that's what's so cool about it. Um, when you do, when you succeed. So, do you have to keep your own score when you're in tournaments, or is there someone who's keeping track of all of the swings that you're making? Um, well, so I mean, it's on the honor system, like you know, obviously, but like you're generally playing with two other people, and so like you'll generally give your scorecard to somebody else so like i'll have one guy's scorecard i'll give mine to the other and then like that guy will give his scorecard to the guy whose score i'm keeping you know it's kind of like a circle Mm -hmm. um so then you have basically someone else is attesting to the score that you shot okay that Um, makes sense yeah so basically so then like you're when you're out on the course you're supposed to you know if someone does something wrong you're supposed to call them out on it Mm -hmm. and for the most part i had never really had any issues either myself or with others cheating I mean, it happens, but like with the level where I was playing, which was just more for fun, there weren't too many people that were just going to cheat just to cheat because it's like, why are you cheating, dude? There's like nothing yeah. to gain from besides <laughs> you just being known as a scumbag. Like, <laughs> there's nothing to cheat, man, for. But like I so, said, I mean, I knew it. I'd seen it happen or I'd heard of it happening. I never, I, like, I was lucky in my sense that I never had to call anybody out really for cheating or never really cheated myself. So. But- one of the questions that I have for you is when you watch golf on TV, they're always walking the courses. They're never on golf carts. Yeah. So is that true for all tournaments in general, or is it just because the co- the courses that they're playing on TV are just so fucking nice that they just don't allow carts at all? No, um, most like competitive tournaments that I played in were walking. I played in a few that were that were riding. I think riding's becoming a little more popular, but like the. Especially the more serious ones that I played in were generally walking only. Can you tell me why? Um, like, what's the the reasoning behind not being able to use a cart? I honestly don't know. Um, I don't. I mean, it could just be a, from the courses aspect. They don't want to, you know, money out all those carts might be a hassle. Or I honestly, part of me just thinks it's the way it's always been done. You okay. know, we've always, whenever you've, it, what, traditionally golf was always a walking sport. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of a tradition thing. Okay. Um, I do think that's becoming a little bit more lax with there's other like more casual tournaments popping up now that are allowing riding. Mm-hmm. But I would say in the high level stuff, we're not going to see that anytime soon. <laughs> I've made it clear to Pablo that I will never go golfing with him if we can't have a cart because that just mm-hmm. seems like a hell of a lot of work that I don't need to participate in. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I always, uh, 
I usually buy a walking membership at like like last summer when I was when I moved back home. I was uh, I bought a walking membership at Meridian Sun just for exercise. So I would just go out and walk like nine holes just to Damn. get out and do something and kind of try to keep myself in shape. How long did it take you on average to do nine holes walking? By myself? Yeah. Hour and 15 or an hour and a half. You know, what's me. really upsetting about this is that I'm pretty <laughs> sure it would take us about three hours to play nine holes of golf with a cart. <laughs> That's aggressive. That's aggressive? That's very aggressive. <laughs> aggressive on the high end or the low end? On the high end. <laughs> okay. Three so hours? <laughs> Three hours. Called out. Well, I mean, bad. like, for me, I'm pretty, especially, like, I'm really inside. I know, like, I can leave my bag in certain spots. Like, if I'm going to the green and I know where the next tee box is, I'll leave my bag in a certain spot. So, like, it shortens the distance I have to carry the bag. And there's just little things I can do to kind of speed the round up, even if I'm practicing hitting multiple shots. Um, like if I just played one ball the entire way through, I could probably play in like an hour, I would guess. And if I didn't Damn. really mess around. Wow. But, David Kay, how long would it take you? How long would it take you? Probably not the full three hours that you guys said. <laughs> it would half an hour. Close. close. But, but it'd be close. No, I'm just kidding. It'd probably, I don't know. If I was walking and I was literally just playing, my, the thing is like, I'm not very good, but I play pretty fast. Like I don't take a ton of time on my shots and I, I walk pretty fast. My guess is it'd be over two hours though. I don't know. Probably like yeah. two or that's if I have nobody in front of me. If I'm playing in a group of people, I'm sure it'll take longer. But yeah, yeah. somewhere between the one and three hours. <laughs> I'm sorry, Pablo. <laughs> I, I could be exaggerating, but I do feel like especially when we played, we were typically following a league. And I feel like we spent a lot of time waiting because the people in front of us needed to keep going. Yeah, that takes longer, but I wouldn't use that as our calculation. <laughs> My yeah, because that's not yeah. on you then. That's, that's not your fault, yeah. yeah. Like, um, isn't like being behind a league night like notoriously slow? That's awful, yeah. I don't yeah. try to play behind leagues. I actually really liked it. It was more time for drinking and, and you know, yeah. like then like I needed a couple beverages to get me to chill out to actually play golf well instead of just being <laughs> really nervous the whole time. Well, Lisa and I are like complete opposite golfers. Like we're both, we're, we're not getting on the green in two shots or anything <laughs> like that. But like I'm the one that like I have two bad hits whether it's two off the tee or whatever, and I just drop somewhere. Where yeah. Lisa's like, I hit the damn ball. I'm going to keep hitting the same ball. Don't make me <laughs> oh, move man. it. So, like, we have two different strategies. I'm committed. Yeah. And you're like, you're trying to sit there and try to figure out how to tell her, like, hey, like, let's, let's go on the green. Yeah. And just, yeah. You know, you can just putt. She I'm won't just do saying that, that every, every time you pick up the ball and move it is an opportunity that you didn't have to practice your skills with whatever club you were using. I would agree with you if we weren't like chugging trulies and like getting crazy. Like if we were really working on our game, I'm all in. But the, the, the birdie juices, they call it. Yeah, the birdie juices are out. Like let's just drop. Have you ever gone golfing with someone choma that was so bad that you were like, I don't know how I'm gonna do this? And you can't say me. It has to be somebody other than me. Me? No, I have. I played with a lot of worse players than you, Dave. I remember this, there was this one time me and a buddy were going out to Forest Acres East and a um, little pro tip for you guys. If you book that golf now hot, hot deal and you don't book all the available slots, there's a very high chance you're going to get paired with somebody else. Oh my. We got paired up with this dude. I think he was a complete beginner. Oh gosh. He had a, te- ankle, he had a tether on his ankle. Oh and no. <laughs> he was not a good golfer. And me and my buddy are sitting there like, oh God, like what did we get ourselves into? And thank for the second hole, he goes, You guys want to go ahead. I just want to play by myself. And we're like, Yeah, sure. And we teed off and jetted out of there. And 
but it was it because like one of the things like because we had the tether on his ankle we we're sitting there, like uh, i'm like dude i don't want to say anything to this guy i don't want him to like shank you me because i don't yeah. want to play golf with him I'm like, yeah. but thankfully he you know made that decision easy for me but um yeah no i've had some experiences with less skilled golfers let's put it that way can you imagine going to like your parole officer and being like hey i just like really need to go to the golf course today like are you chill with that man (laughs) (laughs) yeah like i said it was it was the first hole was very very awkward and i think part of it's because like me and then my friend who's he's also a pretty good golfer like he could see that we were like a lot better than him and he was just very nervous because of that and that's like that's like the hard part when you're playing with golfers who are less skilled is that they get like nervous because they think you're like they think you're judging them or whatnot and my thing is just like look if you don't play slow i don't care like if you make me play a five and a half hour round then yeah i'm gonna get a little annoyed (laughs) but like if you play within if we play three and a half four hours in a foursome i don't care what you shoot if you're Mm -hmm. having a good time too like you're sitting there pouting and throwing clubs and just having a you know not having a good time oh my even if you're you know yeah that's and to be fair i've gotten better at it over the years i used to be really bad like if i was playing while well, i was just a, such a debbie downer but yeah i mean it, it really like if you're if you're a less skilled golfer and my advice for you would be just don't play slow just if you're gonna hit the shot hit the shot mm-hmm. i mean the worst thing that happens is you hit a bad shot and you just do it again mm-hmm. and if people like you know if you're playing with your friends and they know you're bad okay like if they're gonna give you crap for a shit for it whatever it's not like it's your job to be a golfer right you're just out there to have fun yeah. um so you need to do what you need to do you just need to do what you need to do to, to have fun when you're on the golf course mm-hmm. Because at, at the end of the day, all golf is for most of us is just it's for fun. It's for leisure. It's not like we're out there to make money or to. I mean, yeah, you want to shoot the best score you can, but at the end of the day, it's it's for fun. And it's a game we should all be able to enjoy, regardless of what, what we're shooting. Yeah, yeah, that's so. a, a great point. I swear, yeah. I'm no, I'm like fast, but I'm terrible. <laughs> and a problem that I get with that is I have people that let me play in front of them. <laughs> and what mm. happens when you play in front of people they watch you hit and that is where yeah. i hit my absolute worst yeah shot of course the thing it's i would always so tell funny. people like that is like if you get nervous is like are you ever going to talk to that person again yeah no it's always Probably not fun. so who cares what they think like if you had a crappy shot i mean the last time i did it though, lisa started laughing at me <laughs> while i was on the tee box standing next to the guys waiting for yeah. us okay, hold on well, hold on see, hold on that's so, a different one like, because like you're, you're gonna talk to her again so she laughs at you i guess that's kind of a different story on, but she on, was laughing on. at me with the other guys they were basically <laughs> having a beverage like who is this idiot I was yeah. like, I hold know on. These guys. i need to tell the full story the full version of the story it's worth hearing number one the story that pablo's talking about was actually disc golf not regular golf disc golf and Wait, we got up and we got up to the tee and disc golf is like frisbee essentially but with yeah. fancier discs and pablo threw his disc and like immediately there was like a tree on the side but like you had to really fuck up to hit the tree and he just <laughs> slammed it he just slammed it into the tree in front of these two guys who were just like having a picnic at the table and i, mean, I just lost it i just see lost multiple my shit. instances of this she doesn't even I mean, know yeah i feel like throwing a frisbee it's harder to like do something like that than when you're hitting a golf ball like. oh my god i literally laughed for like 10 minutes after that it that, was so that sounds a lot worse Paul. Not that i have the context i'm just gonna say that <laughs> <laughs> It was so good. It was so good. Um, well, Choma and David Kay, before we wrap up, is there any other stories, any other fun facts that you want to share with our listeners? 
I'm trying to think. I don't think I have anything. I've already kind of been long-winded. I think so. You've been great, man. David <laughs> K., do you have any good golf stories that you want to share? Um, I think my favorite ever golf story is when I was caddying. So I've caddied oh. for Chris that we mentioned a few times. So caddy for those who aren't familiar is just like the guy that carries the clubs. So obviously I'm not, I'm just there to carry the clubs. I'm not really there to give any strategy tips. So when you're high quality, yeah, high quality ones. <laughs> when, so as part of the caddy, you like pull the flag out in, in a normal situation on like the PGA tour, the professionals, like those caddies can actually give you tips, right. It can actually help you. So the caddy sometimes will like read the green to see, okay, how's it bending? Like how far off to the side should we go on our putt here? So I'm caddying for our friend, Chris, and it's like in the middle of the round. And he like looks at me real quick. He goes, what do you think about this putt? And I just start laughing. Because I'm like, what am I going to tell you that you don't know? And then, and then he just like, he just starts laughing at me too. And then instantly like sinks this really long putt. So it's like, I just gave him the boost of confidence to make it. But it was just like, it was really funny to me that he asked me for my advice when like, clearly there's nothing I could give him in that situation. So that's probably my favorite caddying and golf moment. Yeah, I mean, if you ever caddy for me, I think I'd do it to you as a joke. I wouldn't actually yeah. be serious when I was asking exactly. you. Like, <laughs> I, I thought you were the first two, but no, he was like dead serious because I think he had a lapse and he forgot real quick that like I'm not an actual guy. I think he thought I was caddying for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's funny. That's awesome. Well, so, I want to thank you, Choma and David Kay, for being here today. It's been such a great chance to learn a lot about golf and like especially think about you know golfing is something that should be fun and no matter what you shouldn't let the stress get the best of you so I really appreciate your time oh I appreciate you having me on it's been it's been fun just talking about golf and I hope uh hope your listeners got something out of what I uh, out of my rambling today. I have two quick questions <laughs> yeah I can't contain myself one oh boy if you haven't gotten your ball onto the green <laughs> Are you allowed to walk on it? I walk on the green? Yeah. Like, I yeah. always see this thing where it's like you're not supposed to walk on the green unless you've actually hit it onto the green. No, no. You can walk on the green. I'll do it. Like, if I have a shot that's around the green, like a chip shot or something, if I want to, like, see what the green looks like and how it's breaking, I'll walk up right to the green and Is look at it. Is that superstition? Yeah. Like, where did you get know. this? I don't know. I just thought that that was a thing. No, okay. it's not a thing. So that was your first question. <laughs> Second question is those long, weird putters where you have to, like, hold your wrist the other way. Do you believe in them? For some players, yeah. Um, like, do you think they're just, cheating? With the rules the way they are now, no. Uh, like when you could anchor it to your body, or then yeah, it was. I mean, well, <laughs> uh, yes and no. I mean, the controversy. It make, well, it's funny because like I've tried using like the long one, like the broomstick, where like you have your you know one hand near your chin and then you kind of rock it with the other hand. And I'm terrible putting that way. Like it's for me, it's hard. So I'm like, I don't so understand. Like, why if he could just, do it, let it happen. Like it's. Yeah, I mean, I did use, I tried using a belly putter once and it definitely made it easier, like where you stick it into your gut and just, you know, it gives you kind of a (laughs) pendulum, if you will. And that made it a little easier. But uh, I mean, my thing is, if people are going to those lengths, then they're probably like, the thing is, the best putters on tour were never the ones using the anchoring putters anyways, like the long putters. So I think the rule might have been a little bit overblown. I mean, there's still people using kind of a longer style putter and they're just making slight adjustments if they're not anchoring it. So, I mean, I don't think it's cheating necessarily. No, I'm going to rephrase that. Is it helpful for some people? Sure. For me, it wasn't helpful at all. 
it's kind of one of those. I think it's just what what's been missing in my game up to this point. <laughs> yeah. So I just need to get one, That's and I'll the be. Issue. You can find one, then good luck. I'll be I'll be a handicapper. I'll, I'll, I'll be killing it, hitting the links. Stop Lisa from laughing at you, right? <laughs> yeah, it won't help me tee off, but. Man, yeah, in those those random dudes on the tee, it's one thing, but your fiance. Yeah, I, mean. I legitimately think that I'm a better golfer than Pablo, a hundred percent. Oh man, I don't can we like that. it? Can that be a podcast episode, like just like a video version where you yes. guys just play each other in golf? And yeah. We, me and Dave come and ride along and provide commentary. That sounds amazing. <laughs> you really think you're a better golfer than me? I said I don't debate that at oh, all. Oh, okay. Oh, God. I was just going to say. <laughs> me and Dave, you get off this call before you two start, you know, getting into an argument over this. <laughs> I'm not trying to be in the middle of this. <laughs> you're good, man. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. Of course. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to another episode of Things My Friends Know. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts.